0: Uh, in early January on January 8 with a message on mission and then I think on the 29th we dove in with um, our different core values that very first week our core value was word and if you have your bulletin you can look at the front cover of your bulletin and you'll see all of those core values listed and we've arrived at the 10th and the final core value and it is by no means the least important of our core values But today we want to talk about stories about how god is at work in our lives and we have stories to tell in the book of acts if you were to turn to the book of acts and you're welcome to turn there if you want to in acts chapter 9 we see the account of saul's conversion saul is on the road to damascus to try to persecute more christ followers he's very zealous for the lord he, um, he, he thinks that Christianity is heresy. He thinks that those that follow the way of Jesus are wrong. And the only way to, to stop them is to eradicate them, to persecute them to the point of death. And he literally sees the light. It is an incredible, incredible encounter that he has. What I find interesting about that is we read through the, the remainder of the book of Acts not once but twice... When Paul finds himself in front of people that want to know more about Jesus, yes, he talks about Jesus, yes, he talks about Old Testament prophecy, tries to connect the dots for them, but in Acts chapter 16 and in Acts chapter 22, you can look it up later, he tells his story. He says, let me tell you ultimately why I am a follower of Jesus, and he retells His story of literally seeing the light. And here's the point. Paul told his story. Others in the Bible told their story. We have stories to tell as well. Several weeks ago, Norman Emery from our church climbed into the pulpit not long after having brain surgery. And he told his story. And if you were to ask people about that Sunday morning, you would hear things today like, I have no idea what Greg preached about that day. I couldn't even tell you the scripture that he used that day. But I'll never forget the story. I'll never forget that testimony. So this time, Brett, Allison, Michelle, Ruth, will you make your way up to the stage? I've invited um, four individuals to, to tell a story today. It's a story of faith. Each story is unique. Some of the stories deal with interaction with the church. Other stories deal with dreams that, that God had, um, that they had, that they believed that God had put in their heart. Some stories are about programs here at the church, and then there's actually going to be a fifth story uh, that I am going to share um, about one of our missionaries. So let me pray, and then I'm going to introduce um, people that are sharing their stories this morning. Let's bow for a word of prayer. God, thank you. For being our God and thank you for loving us and thank you for being present in our lives and God it's my prayer that uh, what happens over the next several minutes uh, it won't just be something that we say wow that's nice wow that's interesting but that will transform each heart here and we will begin each life here to say God how are you working in my life God, what story do I have? God, what story can I tell? We thank you most of all today for Jesus, your son, for the hope that he brings us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Four stories that you're going to hear from four different individuals. Um, Some have been a part of this church for a long time, some for not so long. But every story is compelling because God is and was at work in their life. So I'm gonna start today with Allison Hitchings. Allison is a member of our staff and has been for going on two years and I've asked Allison to come today and tell us a story.
1: Good morning. Um, My story in this case starts in 2002 don't worry, it's not a year-by-year year, like recap. Um, but in 2002, Brett and I got my mar- husband Brett and I got married, and um, like all young couples, we had a dream um, to own our own home. And it took us a little over five years for that dream to become a reality. And in those five years, there were lots of ups and downs, and heartaches, and disappointments, and um, things that fell through. But when we finally were able in in 2007 to buy our own home, I thought this is it we have um, been obedient we have um been prayerful and this is this is it this is where our this is our home and like any girl like me um, that meant i got to decorate that meant i got to remodel that, got, that meant i got all these little projects that i got got to do well um in the meantime brett was working on his um type 75 certificate which means he would get to be Um, eligible for principal jobs instead of teaching jobs, and so he's working on that, I'm working on the house, we've got two little boys, and um, I'm just painting away and hanging things on the wall, and um, he's doing like actual work, you know, Um, but I'm thinking this is it, we're going to put down roots, we're going to, you know, we're going to get plugged into um, the local church, we're going to meet friends, da-da-da-da-da. about nine months into this pro- process, um, God decided that was not the plan, and Brett called me as I'm painting um, in the basement. Um, hey, guess what? Lincoln High School called and they've offered me a job. If you're a good wife, you're happy. <laughs> um, I was not. <laughs> I was um, really not. Um, I really was so, I was devastated. I thought, how can, this, how can this be? Like, we, we haven't even unpacked all of our boxes, and you're telling me we're going to have to move. And so um, I did what I tell my kids not to. I pouted. And, um, but then came to the realization that um, I know God is bigger than me. And so I hitched up my britches, and we decided to make it work. Um, we actually sold our house in eight days, which in 2008 was pretty much a God thing. Um, so we came up to Clinton. Um, we actually bought um, Ryan and Audra Utterback's house, so that's kind of a cool little touchstone. Um, but then I still, I still was stinging a little bit. I had a good little group of friends down by Springfield, um, and I was lonely. I had two kids at home. I was a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't sure what was gonna happen. So I was talking to my mom and she's like, well, what about church? And I said, well, I think we're gonna try out that, that first Christian church in Clinton. That's where Carter's gonna go to preschool. And she was like, okay. She's like, well, you know that that's where Shirley Fields and Holly Goldsmith go, right? Because way back in the, the 60s and 70s, my grandma and Shirley were dear friends and my mom and Holly were dear friends. And even though they had moved to Clinton several years ago, that relationship continued. Well that was that was I was like, okay, I've got a familiar face. That's that's comforting to me. First Sunday here, um, some bleach blonde dude I realize is preaching, and I'm like, that's Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor was my dean at camp when I was in seventh grade. Oh, okay, like I get, okay, we're 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 easing in. It's good. So the week before Carter started preschool, I had a um, parent orientation night here at the church, and afterwards, like all good Clinton people, we went to Walmart, and and be bopping around. And I see, kind of from a distance, um, a friend, a long, a, a, a friend from a long time ago, checking out. And I say, kind of shyly, Melinda, is that you? And it was Melinda Heinlein. Many of you know, she's the second service now on staff with us. But I had known her growing up. So we got to talking, you know, and um, she's like, well, where, where do you know where you're going to go to church? I'm like, well, I think like we were going to First Christian. And she's like, well, that's where we go. And I was like, OK, God, like, I get it. And then so fast forward to 2015, and Greg calls me and says, I'd like to come in and talk to you, Um, you've been a committed volunteer, we we see something in you and um, we would like you to come on staff and apparently I don't learn very well because I was really reluctant to move here and I was like, are you sure about that, like you really want me and um, but again through prayer and through a very, very patient husband, um, we decided that this is where I needed to be. And when I look back on that journey, when I look back on my story and or when I feel like things are out of control in my life or not going where I want them to go, I realize that we I'm reminded, I guess, that we have such a faithful God and he is faithful when we're faithful, but he's also faithful when we're not, when we're when we're pouting, when we're grumpy because things aren't going our way. He's faithful to us. And while our life that we could've built in our first home probably would've been a good life, it wasn't the life that he had planned for us. And it was probably so much bigger and so much more meaningful than anything I could've constructed for ourselves. And so that's, I guess that's my moral of the story for me is God is faithful and he has a plan for me that is so much bigger and so much better than anything that I could create for myself. So thank you for letting me share my story with you guys today.
0: This time I'm going to ask Brett Reese if he will come and he will tell us his story, Brett. Good morning.
2: Um, Allison says she takes a couple times to learn a lesson. I probably take a lot more. Um, I was having a hard time thinking of, um, you know, an example of a lesson that was really hard for me to learn growing up. And it actually came to me yesterday on the return home from the Live to Serve Conference. Uh, We were sharing stories and, you know, an electric fence story came to mind for me was, um, fifth grade, you know, had never seen an electric fence before, you know, the curiosity of a kid, you know, you go and you reach out and you touch it. Actually, I think I was told by a friend to touch it, but <laughs> either way, we touched, I touched it, of course it zapped you, uh, zapped me, sent me back. You know, a normal kid would be like, yeah, I'll probably stay away from that me I was like well if I touch it again I won't do it twice so of course so it takes me a while to learn lessons um, you know they say God knows your heart um, I think God uh, knows my heart um, he know he knew you know the electric fence story he knew how uh, hard it is what is for me uh, to get through to me um, Actually, it was uh, October 2nd, 2011. God really spoke to me um, in a span of about 24 hours um, and then beyond that. Um, my wife Mandy and I um, have twin boys. Um, a lot of you see them running around. Um, we call them the twin NATOs. Uh, <laughs> As you can clean a room and 30 seconds later it looks like a tornado went through the room um, they were born um, about 10 weeks early um, premature um, it all started on a Thursday morning um, you know I was at work um, I traveled um, up by Peoria area uh, Mandy calls me and says something just doesn't feel right I just I don't know what's wrong Um, I'm scared and we were living with uh, her parents at the time Uh, her father Tim and I were remodeling the house next door uh, for us to move into of course our timeline was before the boys were born Uh, the boys had different ideas Uh, so she calls and says she's she just doesn't something's wrong so I I said, well, call your father, call your dad, um, see if he can take you up to the emergency room. We'll get you checked out. Uh, in the meantime, I called my boss and said something's not right uh, with uh, with my wife. Uh, father's taking her to the emergency room. He said, the only thing I ask is that you don't ruin the truck. It was a company truck. He said, just be safe, get there one piece. So um we met him at the uh, at the hospital um, and it turned out that um, Mandy was in labor um, and that they had a life flighter uh, to Peoria uh, it was you know Peoria was better prepared uh, for premature birth uh, so of course me you know um, protect my wife, I was going in the helicopter until they told me nope, you won 't fit, <laughs> so they said when we take her to the helicopter, you can go and uh and we'll, there 's a pretty big headwind. you know we should beat you there by about twenty minutes. Uh, I accepted the challenge and <laughs> we uh as soon as they wheeled her out to go. I, I headed for, for Peoria looking out the window trying to see if I could see the helicopter. Um, but that was Thursday morning. Uh, got her to Peoria. They were able to um, stop the pregnancy or stop the, the labor. Um, and we were on you know, high alert, so to speak. Um, fast forward to Sunday morning. Um, Tim and Deb come to church uh, and ask for a, a prayer um, for a prolonged uh, pregnancy um, that we uh, could prolong it for about two weeks. Is what they were shooting, shooting for. Um, While well, the the prayer got kind of misconstrued that morning, and the prayer ended up being for a healthy and speedy uh, delivery and birth. Uh, this is where God was, was like, okay. We had Sunday evening. Uh, we, uh, Get the news that Mandy can uh, not have hospital food now she can get something outside of the hospital, so she sent me on an errand me and Tim on an errand uh, to go get some some food, and we get back and there 's a light blinking uh, above her her door and again, I walk in and and uh, is everything okay she says no it's not something's just not right and I had I had drinks in in my hand and uh, bless Deb's heart she got a lap full of drinks as I turned around to run out the door um, and didn't really have a chance because about that time her hospital room was filled with every nurse and every doctor um, I kind of got pushed back into a corner Um, but they nurse a couple nurses grabbed me and led me up to the the hospital bed and and said you know it's going to happen tonight you know your your boys are going to be born tonight you know we're prepared for it we're you know for whatever happens just trust us we're prepared um at that point in my life i was I guess you could say a little bit of a control freak when it came to uh, controlling the outcome of certain events I always felt like you know you know I'm it's it's my job to protect my family Uh, it's my job to to make sure nothing happens and that was just you know that's uncontrollable you don't know exactly what can happen. Um, And everything after that seemed like it went extremely fast. It was a blink of an eye. Our boys were born. Um, They wheeled them down to the NICU. um, And they, they told me that, you know, the boys were we're touch and go um, that they weren't out of the deep end yet you know that they were going to be constantly monitored Um, you know they were both you know under in the isolates you know just everything's going on and you you have no control over what's what's going to happen to you know what what's going to happen to my sons (sighs) and then I get up you know, Tim and Deb tell me that you know we've got the boys. We'll watch them. We'll update you. Um, Mandy should be coming out of surgery. It was an emergency C-section. Um, so why don't you go up and and check on her? Um, so I walk upstairs, and of course my family's there. Uh, and I ask, has the doctor been out yet? And they say no. Um, it's past the the time frame that that they they said uh, that they should have her in recovery uh, and then the doctor comes out um, and says we had some complications um, you know when the human body you know is an eerie think they she was having contractions even though after the boys were were born and they couldn't get them to stop Um, and they said that you know she has to spend we she's okay she's stable uh, you know she's gonna have to spend some time in the ICU uh, and then he said you're more than welcome to follow us down there if you'd like I had no idea where the ICU was but I led them there um, just pushing people out of the way Um, you know they get down to the ICU and uh, you know they're getting everything ready and and as they're moving Mandy from one bed to the next the anesthesiologist sees me um, and something had happened um, don't know exactly what it was but the anesthesiologist pointed at me and said the husband's right there you know can somebody please escort him to the waiting room and they sent the littlest guy they had to tell me that <laughs> uh, but uh you know, he was he he said Told me to go to the, the waiting room and was very polite and nice and you know, I went to the waiting room and and it just hit me um, just the sheer weight um, of the situation you know I've got sons that are in you know the intensive care unit now my wife is in the intensive care unit um, I hit my knees. Yeah, I, I prayed for a long time that night and um, went back and forth a lot throughout the night from the NICU to the ICU which they were on opposite sides of the hospital and I don't know if you've seen me or not, but it was running back and forth. It was quite the workout. Um, But I guess the the moral of my story is, is that in the span of that 24 hours, my wife got better fast. She she only spent the night in the ICU. Um, The boys made Huge strides and improvements uh, through prayer. we prayed over them every night when we were up at the NICU. And uh, the following Sunday, Mandy and I come to church. <clears throat> me, I was coming to church to thank God. For my family. And then Greg came up and spoke about what they had covered the previous week. And it was the power of prayer. And my mind just, I mean, wow, the power of prayer. The prayer that was said Sunday morning, the prayer that I prayed again and again throughout the night, it was just that was my aha moment that God is great, He, he has a plan. You know, they say that, you know, God doesn't give you what you can't handle. And sometimes I think he gives you enough to where you need to. He's telling you, let me help you. Let me rely on me. Um, and that's what he did, and he came through for me. Cason, um, our son, there was, I know I'm going on and on, but um, our son, he had a spot of brain damage when he was born, it was lack of oxygen, and a doctor told us that, um, and this was a couple weeks after they were born, the doctor said, you know, it's going to be linked to cerebral palsy, that the, the, the spot is so small that either there are several, you know, it's a, it's a wide range of severity, uh, but that your son's going to have the least amount that, you know, you're not going to know he has it unless he tells you. Uh, and he said, but the infant brain is a miraculous thing, and uh, it could, you know, the brain could grow around that spot. that spot could go away and it just a sense of of calm came over me and i just looked at the doctor and said you know i know i'm not a doctor uh, but that spot in six in a couple weeks when you scan in that spot's going to be gone i just know it i can feel it couple of weeks later they scanned him and the spot was gone um, it was just prayers uh, the power of prayer and like I said in that 24 hours uh, that's where God really truly touched my heart uh, and it's, it's been an amazing journey ever since then Thank you.
0: Thank you, Brett. I've asked Ruth Davidson. Ruth's been in this church a a very long time and does an incredible job leading a variety of ministries, and I've asked her to come and tell a story about the choir.
3: The story that Greg asked me to share with you is not directly about me, but as he said, it centers around the choir. I don't know if you realize it or not, but the people in the choir are some of the most faithful and dedicated people in this church. We practice every Wednesday from September to May, in addition to when we sing, and almost all of them are always there. That's dedication and a very high level of commitment, and that's what this story centers on. A couple of years ago, there was a young man who showed up to sing with the Christmas choir. He seldom attended church, but he wanted to sing, and we told him, fine, we need you. The Christmas practice started at 7 p.m., and the second week that he came to practice, he came at 6.30. That's when the regular choir time practices. I thought I hadn't made it clear to him about time, so I explained that the regular choir practices from 6.30 to 7.00, Christmas choir starts at 7 o'clock. I asked him if he just wanted to wait, and he said, yeah, he just sat around and wait. Well over the course of the week, I found out that he showed up at 6.30 because he wanted to sing with a regular choir, but he was very reluctant to ask if that would be okay. This young man had very serious health issues due to some very poor lifestyle choices that he had made earlier in his life. And those choices were now affecting his lungs, but he still wanted to sing. He said, I don't know if I'm physically able to sing or not, but I wanna try. But here's my biggest concern, he said. I don't know if the choir will accept me because of my past reputation. Another great gift that the choir has is a gift of love, a spirit of love. And many times when new members come, they will say, the choir was so great to me, they acted like I was, they were so thrilled that I was here and they wanted me to be a part. And they showed that love to this young man. He found love and acceptance by joining the choir. He sang with us for a couple of years until his lung condition worsened and then he had to stop after our May finish. And the following September when I came in to prepare for choir, our first practice, I found this note on my music stand and it's the most heartfelt and loving note that I have ever received and you can tell it came from someone with a heart full of love. The card says, for all of the kind things you're happy to do, may all kinds of happy things happen to you. And then he had written in, thank you for the great kindness and great fellowship, love. Also included was this note that I'd like to read to you. Dear Ruth and FCC choir, I just wanted to say thank you for the short time I was allowed to be part of the group. It was the best fellowship I have had in many years. I truly enjoyed it and look forward to Wednesday nights. So as you start a new year, I just want to say thanks and encourage you to keep doing what you do. You really do touch lives even in ways you don't know. Keep it up. I really miss it. Love. And just recently, I came across this quote that immediately reminded me of the story that I've just shared with you. And it said, choir is not a music ministry. Choir is a people ministry.
0: Amen. Thank you, Ruth. Our final story this morning is going to come from Michelle Witski. Michelle, come and bless us, please.
4: Hi. Um, Greg asked me to share my story concerning The Vault, which is an effort to start a teen center here in Clinton. And if you haven't heard about it yet, it's a vision of starting a really fun and unique teen center uh, that also functions as a part-time community center. Well, it's it's really a God-sized vision for Uh, an 11,000 square foot facility that will cost about two hundred and ninety one thousand dollars and that's with all donated skilled labor that has been pledged from Habitat for Humanity Hammer Construction and and other people. So we're in the midst of uh, a crazy exciting time right now of just really watching God work. Um, I've had this vision for a teen center here for years and I've had some periods where I felt like God was saying go for it this is the time and um, but doors just weren't opening and I often questioned if if it was really God's idea that he put on my heart or if it was just a crazy idea that I had but through the years that crazy idea just never seemed to go away and that was even after very smart people would tell me and explain that it's not going to be possible in our small struggling community to raise money for a project of this magnitude. Well, I didn't want to take on a a huge risky project, um, but I couldn't shake the thoughts of all the kids I'd come to know through the years who so desperately needed a place like this. And so I decided they were worth the risk. Have you ever had a hard time trying to figure God out? The times in my life I thought I totally get him, and the other times I've just been at a complete loss. I've learned that trying to understand God is something that our human minds will never completely comprehend. Isaiah 55, nine says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So I've learned that trusting, just trusting in his incredible love for us gives me the peace when I just don't understand. And I remind myself that I only see a little piece of the puzzle. And I remind myself of the incredible love and wisdom of our God. And he sees the whole picture. And if I'm seeking him first, he is orchestrating a beautiful story that has Chapters of scary and confusing times, but also times of incredible love and exhilarating victories. So just as we turn the pages of a suspenseful bestseller, it's not until the end that we can see how all those chapters work together to make an incredible story. And I just have to do my part and and trust that God will do his part. So my teen years were, were tough as they are for so many teenagers and I struggled to feel like I belonged anywhere and that I had any value or worth and and a lot of times even I struggled to see if there's a point in living and I would never want to relive those years again except to do them to undo some of the mistakes that I made. But God can make beauty from the ashes of our lives when we choose to turn our lives over to Jesus. And, and that is from Isaiah 61.3. In that experience of struggling through my turbulent teen years, I believe God planted in me the deep compassion that I have for our youth. I found myself drawn to helping teens in various capacities, whether it was teaching or coaching or helping with youth groups or just being available to listen when they needed to talk. And when we moved here to Clinton from, from Michigan, as much as I fell in love with this community and all of the people here, I couldn't ignore the glaring gap that I saw in things that were offered for our teens. We have wonderful schools and churches and a fabulous YMCA. But once the kids get out of school, there's not much for them after about sixth grade. And that's a really hard time for kids. So I started sketching out my own drawings of teen centers and brainstorming fun activities that we could do for them, and um, as well as support services that could be provided for those kids who needed some direction and encouragement. And I rarely shared my crazy ideas, though, with anyone. But it was a a vision for the community that I still could not shake. And then especially as my my kids grew into their teen years, my desire to have this teen center just grew even stronger. My kids had a good home, but even they could use a safe place to go and hang out with their friends and instead of each other's homes all the time. And I kept thinking, well, you know, what about the kids who don't have a safe or encouraging home? Where do they go? And more and more, I talked to students, those students who had no place. And often they just turn to the streets to escape their troubles at home. There are so many kids here that don't have people to help them to see that they're loved, that they have value. They don't have people to model for them a hard work ethic or how to serve other people. And our church does so much of that excellently. And I'm so proud to be a part of this church. But most teens in this post-Christian culture, they won't step foot into a church. So what about them? I believe God was fueling something in me that Bill Hybels calls a holy discontent. I just felt like I had to do something about it. But as time went on, I learned to just trust God and his timing. We are all a part of God's grand story And I just set my mind to make myself available to be used when his timing was right. And so now, for whatever reason that only God knows, doors are opening, and they're opening rapidly. Thanks to so many of you, we have raised about $165,000 since January when we gained our 501c3 status. We have 43 students and adults that have committed their time and their service on one of our teams or committees. And I've always said from the very beginning, I want God to get the glory in all of this. And oh boy, is he ever getting the glory for it. Um, I've been so humbled and humored by how this project has been unfolding. For example, Jason Kitson, um, he's a college student who almost couldn't afford to go to LCU, but he felt God tell him to give $500. He didn't know how he was going to do that. But he pledged to give it, just in faith, that he would give it by March. Um, Well, just this week, there was a knock on my door. And Jason handed me $500 in cash. Now I can't see my notes. (sighs) Sorry. Okay. Um, But God also has been getting some good laughs. (laughs) Um, As I do the most embarrassing, ridiculous things, um, he is getting his glory. So in spite of my mistakes, God is opening eyes to people of the need here and he's opening their hearts to give. Um, God has chosen to work through me even though my giftedness has never been public speaking or fundraising. In fact, I get so nervous my brain completely freezes which is why I have the notes here. Um, For example, um, when I met John Warner, I called him Sean Warner. Oh my gosh. When I presented the vault vision to the Dewitt Savings Bank board members, I thought I was presenting to the Scott Baum board, and I didn't know until we were walking out of the building, and I looked up on the wall, and I saw the picture of all the bank board members, and I realized what just happened. and I really did a terrible job with that presentation. It was so embarrassing. And yet they, God's getting the glory, they gave very generously anyway. And the First National Bank, as well as the State Bank of Lincoln, they actually came to me with their generous donations. And I didn't even have to come to a meeting or give a presentation. And and even our own church, without hesitation, has been incredibly generous. So I don't have time to tell. I could go on and on all the stories that have taken place um, where God has just orchestrated circumstances that have lined up just perfectly. Um, but the story's still being written, and I'm just trusting in God's love and in his perfect timing. And I know that He can work, He can work all of this for good if we love Him and we walk in obedience. So He sees the big picture. And I just wanted to give a a huge thanks to all of you who have already been supportive of the vault by your prayers, your time, and your finances. Um, Our teens, our committees, and I are all just overwhelmed, just overwhelmed and so incredibly thank you. So thank you for listening to the story.
0: Well, thank you to Michelle and to, uh, to Brett and to Ruth and to Allison for sharing their stories. And here's the bottom line. Um, they have stories. We have stories. We need to tell our stories to give God all the glory. That, that's the common theme that I heard today from, from the four testimonies that were shared. God gets all the glory. We have stories to tell. I'm going to bow for a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. And thank you for the chance to uh, to hear these stories. And God, it is all about you. It's all about how you work in our lives through church choirs and through hospitals and through chance encounters at Walmart and through dreams that, that have to be in, in your realm because they're just too big for us to tackle them ourselves. And so God, help us never to grow weary of telling our stories. Help us never to grow weary of seeking your will and doing your will. We love you so much. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to close our service today with our song of invitation. Would you stand up with me, please? And the words will be up on your screen, and Carla's going to come and she's going to lead us. again thanks for worshiping with us today next sunday friend sunday next sunday ice cream social at 6 p.m let's close our service with a word of prayer god thank you for this day that you have made and we rejoice we're glad in it thank you for the stories of your people may we never grow tired may we never grow weary of your call in our lives to be the salt of the earth to be the light of the world we love you and it's in your name that we pray amen